Columbia Broadcasting System presents a thrilling new adventure series starring Dick Powell. I'm an insurance investigator. My name is Johnny Dollar. What? You heard me, Johnny Dollar, and I can pad an expense account with the best of them. Yep, I'm a freelance insurance investigator, and I live in Hartford, Connecticut. At least that's where I pay rent. My work sees to it that I really live anywhere, except at home. I'm free, white, 34, and so forth. If you're interested in buying me Christmas presents, I take a size 42 suit. Shirts 15 and a half collar, sleeve length 33. My hat size is 7 and 8, except when I wind up a successful case. Then it runs about 7 and 3 eighths. At insurance investigation, I'm just an expert. At making out my expense account, I'm an absolute genius. On December 7, 1948, film veteran Dick Powell recorded an audition for a new detective series called Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. East Coast Underwriters, Terminal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Austin Farnsworth, General Manager. The following is an accounting of my expenditures in the investigation of Milford Brooks III for your company. Expense account item one. Cab fare to your office in answer to your original call, 75 cents. Tip to driver, one dollar. Expense account item two. Shoe shine, 25 cents. You'll remember I got my shoes scuffed when I unsuspectingly walked into your private office. Milford! No, you must get out of my way, Dollar! Get out of my way from that window! Don't hey, you, you! Jump. Hey, hey, oh, no, 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 you don't! Let go of me! Let go of me, you huh. No, no, there are better ways of making a big splash in life. Get away! Well, nice try, Sonny. Now pay attention to teacher. Oh, huh. I didn't know I had it in me. Oh. oh, goodness gracious, Dollar. Did you have to hit him so hard? I hope you haven't killed him. He's not too strong, you know. Uh, don't worry. There. Now, now, Mr. Farnsworth, would you mind telling me on whose head have I the dubious pleasure to be sitting? Now that, sir, is Milford Brooks III. His policy with this company is in the amount of $2 million. Wow. Yes. And the boy seems bent on committing suicide. Dollar, I want you to stop him. Uh, what do you want me to do? Threaten him with death? Anything, anything. The conditions of his policy are such that we would be forced to meet with a claim in the event of his suicide. Oh, I say, Dollar, sitting on his head that way, aren't you in danger of smothering the boy? Smothering him doesn't worry me, but these crew haircuts don't make very comfortable cushions. I'll move down a little. Now, there. Powell had been okay. an A-list crooner in the so 1930s, starring in both musicals and comedies at Warner Brothers and Paramount. He was also the MC of radio's Campana Serenade. His career changed in 1944 when Powell was cast as Raymond Chandler's private eye, Philip Marlowe, in Murder, My Sweet. The Lux Radio Theater broadcast an adaptation on June 6, 1945. There's nobody here, Marriott. This whole setup looks like a tryout, seeing if you obey orders. Let's pull around the corner and... I caught the blackjack right behind my ear. And a black pool opened up at my feet. Two weeks later, Powell was starring as Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery on NBC. I felt pretty good. The series was a summer replacement for the Fitch bandwagon. When Fitch returned in the fall, Mutual Broadcasting picked the show up. It lasted for one season on Mutual, before returning for a final 13 weeks on NBC 
in the summer of 1946. Simultaneously on film, Powell made Cornered, Johnny O'Clock, To the Ends of the Earth, and Pitfall. Wanting to get back into network radio, he recorded this dollar audition just before Christmas. And it all adds up to a little matter of $1,182.23. Which you may say, Mr. Farnsworth, is a lot of money for one man to spend in two days. But you must bear in mind that the amount of stake was $2 million. And you know the price of stake these days. It might comfort you to know that I just returned from the hospital. Brooks was strong enough to make a full statement, which you will find and close. This in itself should prove sufficient to establish evidence of attempted fraud against your company, allowing you to immediately avoid his policy. It uh, boils down to one sentence, to wit. Brooks and Janelle wanted to get rid of Hatcher so that they could live happily ever after. Knowing those two, they never had a chance. And oh yes, that, uh, <laughs> that miscellaneous item, the one for $318, it, uh... It was a bracelet for a certain party who made this special investigation for me very special. Oh, if you want a receipt for this item, I'll send you a lock of her hair. Yours, uh, mm, truly, Johnny Dollar. Powell took the lead in Blake Edwards' NBC production of Richard Diamond, Private Detective. And Dollar was left without a star. So with the final signature on his expense account, Dick Powell as Johnny Dollar has just closed the books on his first adventure in this new CBS series. The script for in February, Charles Russell was cast in the lead. CBS programmed the series on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, debuted on February 18, 1949. <laughs> The Columbia Broadcasting System presents Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The next half hour has its baggage packed to take a trip with America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, he is just an expert. At making out his expense account, he is an absolute genius. Expense account submitted by investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, East Coast Underwriters, Terminal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures in the investigation of the Paracoff policy for your company. Expense account, item one, plane fare to Benton, Ohio, $40.04. Expense account item two, plane fare, Benton back to Hartford, $40.04. Explanation, purchase two one-way tickets instead of saving money by purchasing one round trip. Because of the type of case I'm usually assigned, I never press my luck by buying round trips. This time, I was almost right. Early programs indicated that he'd been a Pinkerton. Dollar was a licensed investigator, more than willing to show his ID to the cops. Tipping silver dollars was part of his character. Russell played him sarcastic and irreverent. Johnny got both the bad guy and the girl, and always on the expense account. 
Norman MacDonald directed the series between July and November, with Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd doing the writing. Good evening, sir. Hello. Do you have a reservation for Johnny Dollar? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Dollar's in his room. He checked in about 8 o'clock. What? I guess I ain't the man I used to be. What room is he in? Oh, sorry, sir. I'm not permitted to tell you that. I can call. Oh, no, never mind. Let me have an envelope, will you? I'd like to leave my card for this Mr. Dollar. Uh, yes. Uh, here you are. Thanks. Here, just pop this in his box. The clerk popped the envelope into box number 207, so I popped myself into an elevator going up to room 207. I'd come to Benton to investigate a murder, and in just a matter of minutes, I found myself ready to commit one. Russell lasted until January of 1950, when film star Edmund O'Brien was brought in. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Edmund O'Brien, starring in another adventure of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. Expense account, submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Great Columbian Life Insurance Company. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during the investigation of the circumstances surrounding the murder of your policyholder, Loyal B. Martin, or how to take a vacation in Fairfield County. Expense account item one. $3.20 mileage from Hartford, Connecticut to the country estate of the deceased. I drove up a long cement driveway towards a mausoleum-type manor house. There were rolling green lawns liberally sprinkled with statuary. And the thought occurred to me that if he had spent much of his life here, the late Mr. Martin was most fortunate. He'd feel right at home in a cemetery. O'Brien's clipped voice and faint New York accent gave Dollar a rough quality. He became hard-boiled and cynical. When Wrigley signed on as sponsor in the summer of 1950... The program was airing live, coast-to-coast, on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm here to see Mrs. Martin. Oh, yes. Mrs. Martin. Uh Uh-huh. I'm afraid I'll have to disappoint you. But the show pulled an unimpressive rating of 6.5 against Dragnet, and Wrigley pulled sponsorship after eight weeks. I'm sure. Well, what time is she expected back? I have no idea. But it shouldn't be long. Do you uh, mind? Dollar continued on, shifting time slots frequently. O'Brien's last broadcast was on September 3rd, 1952. Thirteen weeks later, CBS revived the series from Hollywood with John Lund. From Hollywood, it's time now for John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Chet Graham, Johnny. Who? Wake up, boy. Chet Graham claims New York Mutual. Oh, hi, Chet. How are things? Bad. Johnny, I have to make a little trip out to the coast on a phony claim. I'll be gone about four days, but I need someone to hold down my office while I'm away. Can you do it? Well, that's not my line, Chet. You know that. Well, make it your line, Johnny. Somebody has to be here. Look, you can live in my apartment. You can use my tickets to wish you were here. You can even take my girl if you want. New York's swell this time of year. Can't you get anybody there? Oh, everybody's got the flu or busy or something. When do you want to leave for the coast? I'd like to get out on the noon plane today. 
Well, I can be down there by 11. Good. We'll probably miss each other, but just walk right in the office and make yourself at home. I'll call you from L.A. Have a good trip. Uh, by the way, what does your girl look like? Even your best dream was never that good. Just leave her phone number on your desk. John Lund, in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Lund had starred with Olivia de Havilland in To Each His Own, Marlene Dietrich in A Foreign Affair, and Betty Hutton in The Perils of Pauline. Johnny Dollar to New York Mutual Underwriters Limited, Rockefeller Center, New York City. Attention, Mr. Chester Graham, claims and adjustments. Dear Chet, you probably read some of this in the Los Angeles papers, but they don't have the whole story. Maybe they'll never get it all. I hope not. I found out part of it, stumbled into the rest of it, and I'm trying to forget all of it. The following is an accounting of expenditures during your four-day absence and my investigation of the James Clayton matter. Expense account item one, $14.35 transportation Hartford to New York, where, as per your advice, I walked in your office, sat down, and made myself at home. But radio ratings were collapsing. When Dollar debuted in February of 1949, radio's highest-rated show, Walter Winchell's Journal, pulled a 26.5. Please sit down. Well, thank you, but I don't have time. I'm Mr. Just under four years later, in December of 52, Jack Benny was leading radio's ratings with a 13. He said that your company wrote these policies and that he'd like to talk to one of you. In spite of well, this, in March of 1953, Wrigley once again sponsored the show Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Dollar peaked in May with a 7.3 rating. Among the writers who contributed scripts were E. Jack Newman, Les Crutchfield, Blake Edwards, Gil Dowd, Morton Fine, and David Freakin. One day heaven extended its irresistible arm and held the cleaver of fate in its fist and it cut us off. Uh, Radio died in the fall of 1953, I suppose, that last season. And it had to die suddenly and violently because the networks could no longer sustain it because they intended to go into the new medium television. If they had tried to hold on to radios, they might have for a season or two. There would have been other moneyed interests to create the television industry, you see. But on that occasion, the, tele- the radio industry had only to turn to its sponsors and said, we have something new for you to buy, something wonderful and three-dimensional now. So we're going to discard this little thing, radio, and the sponsors, very understandingly, nodded their head and bought the new product. Those actors of us who had been made our living in radio were completely discarded. There were some very bright young men in television, and there was an opprobrium to having been a radio actor. It was said that you were a ham, that you made faces when you acted, and that was true to a certain extent. You're saying something that has never been said before, to my knowledge, that the networks themselves killed the medium. Well, they had to. Yes, surely you had to destroy. It's the story of the little Jewish lady who had two chickens, and when one fell sick, she killed the the well one in order to make chicken soup for the sick. (laughs) (laughs) With television soaring, radio sponsorship interest dwindled, forced to sustain costs, 
The networks canceled many of their remaining dramatic programs at the end of the 1954 season. Wrigley sponsored Dollar until August. Lund's last episode was The Upjohn Matter on September 19th. It seemed that, like many other radio shows, Johnny Dollar's time on the air was coming to an unremarkable end. <laughs>